Have you ever wondered about where Meridian's drinking water comes from? Where can you find out more information about what you can and can't recycle? How do you report a streetlight that's gone out? The answer to these questions and more are coming right up. Hi, I'm your host, Mayor Robert Simpson, and this is My Meridian City 101 Public Works Edition, your guide to local government. Let's dive right in and get started. Today, I'm here with our Public Works Director, who's been on the job for just over one year, Lorelai McVeigh. Lorelai, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks, Mayor. Um, So I've worked for the city for about 13 years in Public Works, just recently this last year in the director position. So um, I started city government right after I finished my undergraduate degree from uh, the College of Idaho. And got into the wastewater field and have been working um, in local city government for the past 16 years. During those last 16 years, you have created quite a resume for yourself and said, Macy, you're the most highly licensed person in the state of Idaho when it comes to water and wastewater. Yes. um, So in the water and wastewater industry, uh, we receive professional licenses from the Department of Occupational Licenses. And It's been quite the journey, but I'm really proud to say that I've received the highest levels that are possible in the state. That's really quite an accomplishment. And and frankly, even in this last year, you've had some opportunity to extend beyond the state of Idaho. Uh, I think you're really being recognized for who you are and the work that you do uh, within the industry. Yeah, thanks, Mayor. Um, I had the opportunity to join a a water uh, leadership organization through Duke University in North Carolina. So that was a really exciting opportunity to get to meet water and wastewater leaders from across the nation. So in the essence, you know what you're talking about, and people respect your opinion enough to engage you throughout the country on issues involving water, wastewater, environmental issues related to public work. So with that, I want our listeners just to know the quality of the dialogue that they're going to hear on this issue. So let's just dumb it down to start off with. What is Public Works? What do you do? What are the main functions of the department? So our main mission in Public Works is to provide daily drinking water and wastewater services to the citizens of Meridian. However, it doesn't just stop there. We're also responsible for setting the utility rates, planning, building, and inspecting all the new utility infrastructure that goes in throughout the city. We also organize the trash and recycling services. We manage the maintenance and operation of all the city buildings, and we also manage all of the city streetlights. It's a wide variety of issues, uh, most certainly. Now, majority of the these things, our, our listener, to pimp on when they're listening to this, they may have heard about the enterprise from, from our CFO, Todd Lavoie. But you really do function as a business for a majority of what you do. There are some functions of public works which come from our general fund or property tax dollars, specifically streetlights. But why don't you talk to our listeners and, and what what is the enterprise fund? That's a great question. So – Uh, The Enterprise Fund, like you mentioned, operates, you know, as its own utility. So the first piece of our revenue that most people are probably familiar with is our utility rates. So these are the rates that you see on your monthly utility bill for water, sewer, and trash. However, the other source of our revenue is called an assessment fee or sometimes called a hookup fee. And what this is is it's a fee that's charged when new development hooks into our system And this fee is developed so that development pays for a proportional share to hook into our system. And uh, another way to put that is we collect money from growth so that the residents of Meridian don't have to pay for that money to extend the system. That's correct. Okay. 
Um, over the last several years, uh, people may have seen an EPA fee that's been on, on, on their bill. Uh, you know, it, it, why don't you talk a little bit about that and, and its purpose and function? Sure. So um, the city back in 2017 received uh, its first EPA reissued EPA permit. So the EPA was pretty behind in issuing permits to utilities across the state. And so we had had the same permit since 1999. Um, and when they reissued this new permit in 2017, there was a lot of new regulations that were included in that permit. And, uh, you know, the city operates in the save before you spend model. And we knew that this new permit was going to have a lot of uh, infrastructure requirements for us to meet meet those uh, permit limits. And so we implemented this 10-year EPA fee that helped us collect the funds so we didn't have to go into debt, we didn't have to get a bond. Uh, this EPA fee has helped us do all of those upgrades at the plant to meet the final compliance deadlines that are coming in 2027. And I think you just hit on a couple of great things there, talking about the save before you spend model. Some might call it the just-in-time financing um, but it's the the no debt approach to how we do things, and that's one of the things that you guys take great pride in is you're projecting out on what those f- costs are going to be. Um, this last little bit, we've seen prices increase through for a variety of factors. We we won't go in there, but Public Works does account for a large portion of our our budget. You do have quite a few employees, but you also build stuff. Let's talk about talk about your budget and that and how it's really set up in terms of you know, capital versus ongoing and, and, and where you see that moving forward? So that's a great question. We do a lot of planning as it relates to both capital infrastructure and rate planning. Um, you know, a couple of the things that we have to do is we have to anticipate our, our growth as a city. We have to anticipate the replacement costs of all of this infrastructure and then also anticipate the operational needs. And we do this over a really detailed 10-year horizon. So that's a really long planning window. But all of that careful planning allows us to ensure that we plan for our needs, but we don't overestimate it either. So the the thing of having no debt is a really unique thing for a utility, and um, it allows Meridian's rates to be a lot lower than many of the other utilities in the Valley. And, you know, we look at those um, annually? We do. And uh, I know that there's been some changes, and we are actually in the process of even evaluating them a little differently as well. So residents may be seeing some changes in the near future on the proportion of water to sewer as it relates to their bill, but the end result is for the city to collect the same amount of money, just put it in the right bucket. That's that's correct. So we um, are in the process of completing what's called a cost of service study, and that really lets us put the costs towards the fund that they need to go to and then allows us, like you mentioned, to charge the right amount for the right services. Okay. Let's talk about a few of those services. Talk to me about the wastewater uh, functions of public works and especially the wastewater treatment plant. That's an amazing facility where your employees take great care of that, but it's seen a tremendous change over the last two decades. That's correct. So our wastewater plant is out um, on 10 mile, um, about 10 mile in Eustick and Um, What's interesting, that facility has been at that location since the 70s and has basically been undergoing continual expansion since that time. Um, It's a really cool process. So really the wastewater side starts with we have um, over 600 miles of sewer pipe that convey all of the used wastewater in the city to the treatment plant. And once it gets to the treatment plant, it's a really neat process. 
actually pretty scientific process that occurs. We primarily use naturally occurring microorganisms to treat the wastewater. So our job, our city staff's job, is to create an environment where these microorganisms um, naturally occur, the right conditions, the right food source, the right temperature. And if we do all those things, they basically treat the wastewater for us. So it's a really cool process that um, is also really highly regulated, which we've talked about, but allows us to then discharge that water into Five Mile Creek, which flows right next to the plant. And um, I know you just super simplified everything with all the clarifiers and the digesters and the ultraviolet treatment. Um, and I'm, I'm probably missing five steps myself in, in this conversation. But if someone really wants to learn more about uh, what occurs at the wastewater treatment plant, how do they go about doing that? So we have a couple of great resources on our website. Um, we also periodically will offer uh, basic tours to different um, groups. We get a lot of Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, um, even college classes will come and tour. So if you're interested in that, just uh, get a hold of our, our wastewater treatment plant. Um, probably the best way is to give them a call at 208-888-2191. Excellent. Uh, do we have any videos that kind of showcase this as well? We do. We have a really great set of videos um, we call It Starts at Home, and those are on our, our website. And those really take you all the way from the drinking water side all the way through the wastewater side. So you can really see the whole life cycle of, of water in our city. Okay. And we'll get, to, we'll get to water in just a second. I want to stay right here on wastewater. There's, there's actually a pretty cool thing that residents can do right there in front of the wastewater treatment plant. I know you like to camp. <laughs> Talk about a, a, an important essential service that's there for the residents of Meridian? We do. We have a really nice uh, RV dump that's at the front of the plant. So um, if you come to our site, it's at 3401 North 10 Mile. We offer a free RV dump. It's open um, every day of the year from sunrise to sunset. Um, and that's our way to encourage. We'd rather have people deal with that waste appropriately um, and so the city's made a really great investment out there. Um, it's a really nice facility and, and easy to use, easy drive-up lanes. Um, we actually just created a how-to video that will soon be on our website of, of different ways to better dump your waste out of the plant. Important information for the community. Another thing that has happened out there at the plant in the time that I've been here at the city, reclaimed water. It's not... Uh, the, due to the changes in our permits, we haven't invested as much as we thought we may have because the benefits aren't necessarily there in the same way. But talk to us about reclaimed water. If residents see reclaimed water, what does that mean? So that's a, a great question. So uh, reclaimed water is our wastewater effluent that's already gone through a very complex, very highly regulated process. And then we treat it even further to produce reclaimed water. So um, we currently use uh, or produce about 3% of our total flow is converted into reclaimed water. Um, this process is regulated by an additional permit that's issued by the DEQ. And once we treat that water to that really high level, we use it in beneficial ways like watering lawns and landscaping rather than just letting that water flow down the river. So we currently use it to water landscaping at three city facilities, so the interchange at 10 Mile and the interstate um, also at uh, a couple of the city parks. Um, and we also have five private businesses that use our reclaimed water to water landscaping and one that even uses it in their car wash. So it's a really great way to preserve more of our valuable drinking water. 
um, rather than using that water for watering lawns and washing cars. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty fascinating process, I know, um, and can be a way in the future. We'll we'll see. Maybe we'll do more of it. Maybe we won't. I think only time will tell based upon the needs of the city and, and how we need to access uh, water for what purpose. Um, let's talk about water generally. You know, this this year uh, and the last year, there's been a lot of talk about water. Before we talked about the water department and what they do, answer the very basic question. Does Meridian have enough water planned for its future with our projected growth? That's another really good question, and, and like you mentioned, we, we got a lot of attention about that this year since it was a, a hot, dry, short water year, or what we thought was going to be. Um, so the, to answer your question, the city does. Uh, we are in a very good position for water. So what we do is we model out the city's drinking water needs for full city build-out. So that actually is estimated to be over 300,000 people and occur sometime in the year somewhere past 2074. Um, And what we do is we take a look at if the whole city was built out, would we have enough water supply? And we do. Um, The other piece that's really important is not only do you have the supply, but do you have the water rights that give you the right to use that water? And the city's in a really great spot to have full water rights and um, plentiful water for that full city build out. So we see all these great canals and systems running through the city. Is that where we get our drinking water? So that's not. Um, so there's uh, a big difference between surface water and groundwater. So the, for the city's drinking water, we get all of our water from the underground aquifer that's below the city. And we have 26 wells that pull from that aquifer for the drinking water. The canals and the rivers that you see uh, through Meridian are what's called surface water. And that water is primarily used for irrigation, farming, um, and there is a difference. Surface water is um, on occasion, depending on the water year, in shorter supply than groundwater. And that's when you hear about things like the reservoirs being not full or, um, you know, water shortages. It's generally related to the surface water. And while that does impact our citizens because they may have to turn off their landscape irrigation sooner than they would like, um, the surface water shortage is not impacting our deep groundwater storage. Yes, uh, we, we, we get our water from well below where most people get their water. You know, whether they're a, a farmer with a well or a household with a well, the city of Meridian has really been very proactive in trying to be protective of that deep aquifer to prevent the aquifer from being contaminated, as well as making sure that we have adequate resources long time. That's, that's absolutely true. So the, the way that people drill wells matters. So if you think of the underground aquifer like a big um, drinking water glass or something underneath the city, and each well that's drilled is like punching a straw through the layers into that aquifer. If you don't do a good job when you're punching that straw or drilling down into the deep aquifer, you can get contamination from the surface or from shallow aquifers and contaminate that deep water. So it costs a little bit more to drill the wells to this higher standard, but it is so vitally important that not only city wells, but other wells that are drilled meet that high standard to keep that deep aquifer safe and protected. Okay. We, we've talked a little bit about the water situation. I know you, you gave a presentation on this topic, and people can go to our website 
uh, and look at the town hall where you, where you talked about this if they want more information. Well, let's just talk about the water department or the water division specifically because there's several different aspects of what they do within that division. So there are. We have um, about 30 employees in our water division, and they're responsible for all things water. So from pumping the water out of the aquifer, which we've been talking about, to treating the water, we have um, a variety of treatment facilities that we use to remove um, iron and manganese particulates from the water. So, you know, these particulates are not dangerous at the levels that we have them at. Um, They're naturally occurring in the aquifer. However, when we add chlorine, it causes or can cause brown or discolored water, which is not what we want. So we have um, already installed five of these these treatment facilities, and we currently have five more that are under design and construction. And we have an additional four of them planned over the next 10 years. So we're really striving to improve uh, water quality. So we have a team that does basically the water quality side. They, they test the water. We have really stringent regulations on the drinking water side. They make sure that we're meeting all those requirements. Um, but we also have a team of maintenance mechanics that go out and check all of the city's fire hydrants and all of the valves. We have tens of thousands of these pieces of infrastructure that need to be maintained, exercised, and ensure they work. Um, because one of the other important functions that we do is we provide enough water for fire flow. So you have your regular drinking water demand that happens every day, but we need to make sure that we can meet the demand if a fire happens um, on that peak demand day. So we have guys that take care of that. Um, We also have water meters that have to be taken care of. So we have over um, 44,000 water meters in the city. So each resident Uh, home has a water meter that tells us how much water is used and uh, we have employees that go and check those, maintain those, make sure that they're working correctly and also take monthly reads from those meters. Well, it's a very interesting process uh, and it's trying to become more automated. Uh, Talk to me about the role that technology is playing in both water and wastewater systems with the city of Meridian? So that's a really great um, point. So the the industry really has advanced significantly with automation and um, our ability to remotely monitor things. So our system is spread out over the entire city of Meridian, and we have to operate both the water and wastewater systems 24-7, 365. So technology has allowed us to control, operate, monitor these facilities um, across the city. And um, the other piece, and I mentioned this a little bit on the meters, is we are currently switching our meter system over as these meters age out to a new technology that in the past, our employees had to go walk to every single meter in the city and write down a monthly read. These new meters will allow us to take meter readings from a click of a button in the office. And so Technology has been a really important aspect to allow us to be more efficient, allow us to essentially have less staff to still take care of this really vast system. Yeah, and and the thing that's on the back end, they call it SCADA. I I, I won't ask you to give us what the acronym is, but just give them a little taste about what does SCADA really help us do? So SCADA is our are basically our main control station, um, and it allows us to remotely monitor 
all of our lift stations, our well sites, our wastewater plant. So SCADA takes inputs like flow meter readings and motor vibrations, um, valve positions, and brings all of that information um, digitally back to the treatment plant or the main water division so that we can monitor and um, basically assess our facility. It also sends out alarms so we can program it if conditions aren't correct to send us an alarm 24 hours a day. We have staff that are on call 24 hours a day uh, to come in and take care of abnormal conditions. All right. So we've got a little bit of a overview of water and wastewater, and we talked about wells, and we've talked about, you know, e- even some of the construction out there. Well, you got to have folks that help figure out how all this works or do the construction projects. So let's talk about engineers and our in- engineering efforts. Um, that's a big part of what you got to do, um, you know, in, in, in making sure the system works properly. Talk to us about that, what that takes and what that looks like. So we do have a, a pretty large group of city engineers and city inspectors. And what this team does is they do facility master planning. So they look at our needs for the next five to 10 years and basically identify and choose technologies and equipment that we're going to need. And then they start design of these projects. Um, and so we're not talking about small projects. Some of these are multi-million dollar Uh, facility projects that these guys take care of. Um, One of the things that they're working on designing currently is uh, tertiary filters for our wastewater plant. So these are really advanced membrane filters. One of the things I like to tell people is if you took a human hair and you cut it in half, the distance across that hair is about 100 microns. Okay, well, what does that mean? So these filters that we're installing have pore sizes that are around one to two microns. So they remove almost everything in the water. This project alone is going to cost the city between 30 to $40 million. So these are really ex, um, expansive, technically complex projects that these guys are helping design, um, engineer, and then manage those. So these projects take years to design, and they also take years to construct. And while they're under construction, we have inspectors that ensure that all of the facilities are designed as they were intended to be, and then also make sure that they're meeting standards. So another part of the Public Works team is our environmental folks. Talk to me about the work that they they do. So we have a great environmental team um, that looks to future sustainability initiatives in Meridian. So this team uh, looks at things both uh, stormwater related, so runoff from streets, that kind of thing. While the city doesn't necessarily manage that system, we partner with ACHD on ensuring all of the stormwater in the city is is taken care of. Our environmental team is also responsible for coordinating our trash and recycling services in the city. So you mentioned stormwater. Why don't we just want to put the stormwater into our wastewater treatment plant? So that's a great question. So stormwater is water that's, you know, runoff from pavement, from parking lots, from sidewalks. And that water really isn't to a quality that it needs to go to the wastewater treatment plant. So taking that water and sending it through that advanced treatment facility at the plant really isn't needed. So instead, most of it is either maintained on site. You may be familiar. Your neighborhood may have like a stormwater swale. It looks like a big grassy area. Um, And the goal is to capture water in that and just have it naturally infiltrate back into the ground. And while we hope that's the case, sometimes we do have big storms where 
uh, that rain will enter our system. What does that do uh, out there at the, at the treatment plant when we have those big rains happen? So our plant is designed to handle the capacity of the you know, municipal wastewater flow. So we don't have a lot of extra capacity. So if we were to take on a bunch of rainwater, which occasionally can happen, um, it really can inundate our plant quickly. Um, and also it dilutes our waste stream, which you may say, well, isn't that a good thing? Well, it actually is hard for those microorganisms that I mentioned to treat the water if you have it constantly fluctuating in strength. And so it's much better for us to keep that water that doesn't need to go to the wastewater plant out of the wastewater plant. Yeah, it's it's, it's just one of those little things you don't really think about as a, the people listening. I'm sure they're like, oh, yeah, just let it, let it go into the sewer. And I think even when people maybe have come here from different areas where they have – they see the storm grates – you know, on, on the side of the roads, which drop into something and the water goes places. We don't have that here. That's correct. Yeah. And a lot of places do have those combined systems or the storm drains will flow to rivers. And so um, it's really important that people are wary about what they put in those as well. Excellent. Another thing that you talked about as we're, we're here in the environmental, you, you talked about uh, trash. So you know, again, um, previous uh, episode, we talked about our relationship with Republic Services, who hauls trash, but your team works closely with them in the community as it relates to this important part of work done in Public Works. So we do. We manage in Public Works, we manage the franchisee contract with Republic Services. So um, that franchisee agreement has been in place since, I believe, 1984. So it's a really long-standing contract with the city, and Republic Services is a really great partner. So they are actually responsible for the day-to-day -day collection of trash and recycling in the city. Um, but we help manage that on behalf of the citizens and ensure that the services are being are the services that the residents want. Um, and that's something that, you know, we can, while the recycling industry is still struggling a little bit and in the U.S., um, Republic Services and others are, are really working to increase the nationwide ability to process recycling materials. So you may say, you know, it's it's really confusing what can be recycled, what can't be recycled. Um, there are a few places that residents could go to uh, to help with that. The city's website has a trash and recycling page that allows you to search and um to see what items are recyclable or where you should take them. And there's also a city Facebook group uh, called Meridian Trash Talk where residents post trash and recycling questions. And we have some great events throughout the year to really help residents either get rid of unwanted things or prevent things from getting rid of and thrown into the landfill. Um, if, you, if you want to talk about trash or treasure or uh, some of the other things that occur. So we do. We have a Trash or Treasure event, which is a really fun event where residents can sign up and um, basically put items that maybe are still good enough to not have to go to the landfill, but maybe they're things that they don't need necessarily in their house anymore. So when that event happens, they can put their um, lightly used items out on the curb, and uh, we actually produce a map for other residents to come and see um, if there's anything that the that they would like to take. So what's somebody's trash is maybe somebody else's treasure. Uh, we also have spring cleanup events where you're allowed to put uh, bulky items, so items that are bigger than can fit in your trash can. Um, you can put that out on the curb for free during that event. 
Um, residents can also call Republic Services anytime for that bulky pickup, but if it's outside of that spring cleanup event, there is a small fee. Um, we also do in the fall some additional leaf um, and leaf drop-off events too. And, and then around Christmas time, people can put out their Christmas tree. Um, doesn't have to fit in the bin. But overall, I know this is not necessarily the one that we're going to talk about as it relates to uh, trash in recycling and Meridian. But generally, things need to fit in the bin unless you make other arrangements. That's true. And, and the main reason is because the trash trucks that Republic has aren't designed, uh, the normal ones that you see going around your neighborhood every week are not designed to pick up those, those big items. Okay. So let's move into people's neighborhoods. You know, we've talked about some of the, you know, the infrastructure that's out there with water and wastewater, uh, the engineering stuff. But let's get right down to someone's home. You know, how do we connect to the to people's homes? How do they get that city service? So this is a really great topic that a lot of people might not know what exists, you know, in their front yard is we have all of the city water and sewer mains that, that travel throughout the city. So I mentioned we have about between six and 700 miles of each water and sewer service or sewer main lines. But off of each of those is a service stub that will come out from the main line and it will come up towards your house. So this is where it gets a little bit tricky, but the city is responsible for that stub, basically from the sidewalk out to the street where it enters the main line. Residents are responsible from where it crosses the property line or usually the sidewalk, and that line runs all the way through their yard and up into their house. So a lot of people don't know that they're actually responsible for that, a big portion of that service line as it leaves their house and heads out towards the street. And that might be where they are experiencing leaks or breaks or other things. It's often on the property owner's side, um, which makes them ultimately responsible. It is. And it's, um, you know, there's a couple of things. Well, most of the time, the city infrastructure and residence infrastructure is, is pretty new and it should last a long time. Depending on how old your house is or, um, you know, a couple of the things, your landscaping, if tree roots grow into your lines or if you dump a lot of fats, oils and greases down your drain, you can have problems in those service lines. Um, so how you take care of them matters. And then another thing residents can do is uh, contact your homeowner's insurance and ask them, you know, does your insurance cover the pipes inside of your house? Does the insurance cover the pipes in your in your yard before it connects to the city main? Just to make sure that they um, know where their responsibility and their insurance does or doesn't cover. Yeah. And I think it, it's twofold. People can put their pipes at risk by stuff they put down the drain and if it makes it through the drain, it makes it harder for us to do our job at the wastewater treatment plant if we have an influx of oils and other things. I imagine that you guys know when Thanksgiving or Christmas, you know, when everyone's cooking something big and trying to get rid of stuff, I'm sure there's an influx down there at the wastewater treatment plant. There is. Our, our staff lovingly call it the grease tsunami that comes at Thanksgiving. Um, but we really try to... Uh, a little bit before Thanksgiving, you know, let everybody know, hey, there's don't put grease down the drains because it's it's likely going to cause problems in your side first and then problems for us. So it's much better to just collect that and, and throw it away with your trash. Absolutely. Um, every city is different. Public Works does different things in its, some cities. They do roads. You know, here we have ACHD. Um, let's talk about sidewalks and streetlights. Does Public Works take care of sidewalks? 
So we don't. Um, so streets and sidewalks, as you mentioned, are generally taken care of by uh, Ada County Highway District or ACHD. Also, residents, most people don't know, but residents are responsible for things like snow removal on their sidewalks in front of their uh, residents and businesses. We do, however, take care of the streetlights in the city. So we have over 10,000 streetlights in the city that Public Works is responsible for. So when new streetlights come in with new development, we take care of uh, the ongoing maintenance and operation of those streetlights. Another initiative that we've been doing is converting all of our older streetlights to LED lights. So this conversion helps one, the lifespan of the lights, and two, it helps reduce the power costs and the ongoing maintenance cost for the city. Another thing that we do is we look for areas of town that are potentially underserved. So maybe street lighting standards weren't the same when those developments went in in some of the older parts of town. And so we look for areas where additional lighting could be beneficial and um, install a couple of street lights every year in these areas. Excellent. Well, if there's someone does have a street light and they see it goes out, how do they go about getting that fixed or repaired? So one of the best ways to do that is to go onto the city's website, meridiancity.org, and go to the button that says, I want to, and then click on, I want to report a street light outage. And this will actually bring up a map that you can zoom in on and find the exact street light that's out and let us know. And that immediately sends a report to our staff that tells us that that lights out. And while you can do that completely anonymously, you don't have to put your name with it. If you do put your name and contact information, our staff will get back with you and let you know the progress and when that light is fixed. Excellent. What keeps you up at night when you think about public works and the water and sewer service delivery to our residents? Well, for me, it's the expansiveness of our system and that it has to operate 24 hours a day, um, every day of the year. So what helps me in that, though, is that we have a really, really amazing staff that help take care of that. So it's, you know, there's not very many things that can never go down and never stop. And uh, that's one of the really interesting things about public works and then sometimes one of the stressful things about public works is that it's a service that every single citizen in the city of Meridian relies on every single day. They do and you talked about the the employees and we do have uh, great employees but if someone's interested in becoming a public works employee do, do, do they already have to know everything before they come and apply? They don't. So, you know, one of my favorite things about working in public works is the diversity of professions that we have. So, you know, just to name a few, we have operators, professional engineers, laboratory scientists. We have skilled trade jobs like industrial uh, mechanics, electricians, instrument techs, computer programmers, GIS specialists, CDL drivers, heavy equipment operators. So you don't have to know everything. We are so excited about the diverse set of backgrounds, life experiences um, that this really diverse team brings when they all come to work together. And we do currently have um, openings in public works. And one of the things that's really interesting is that, you know, public works is really uh, a central service that's sort of recession-proof, right? People need water and wastewater services no matter what is happening in the economy. So there's public works jobs in almost every city of the United States, and it's a really stable and interesting career. And one of the ways you guys get to showcase 
that interesting career and the work you do is as part of Public Works Week. Talk to us a little bit about that. So we, every June, uh, celebrate National Public Works Week. And um, as part of that, one of my favorite activities that we do is the expo. So we have all of our staff bring our big trucks, our equipment, um, a lot of the the cool scientific stuff that we bring. And we bring it out to the the front of, of City Hall and highlight these jobs that often go unseen and unnoticed, but are, are really neat and important. Um, and we really highlight that event. We try to focus it on families and kids um, and show them the, the career paths, the futures, the importance of the work that we do. And it's a free event, so uh, we will be bringing it back this coming June as well. Yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating, and the kids love it. Um, and, and just the way the staff is taken on to showcase what they do in different ways and forms, it, it's really quite remarkable for, for the community to see. So I want to just say thank you to the Public Works team for making that a part of what the community gets to see and learn. So I'll end with this question. What is your favorite part about working in Public Works? So my favorite part about working in public works would have to be the, the really diverse staff of employees that we have. So our employees come from all walks of life, all levels of education, experience, backgrounds. And it's just a really cool thing when you bring that many people together with so many different life experiences to really unite around this public good that we get to do. And, you know, there's like I mentioned, there's very few jobs where what you do matters every single day. And, you know, it's a job that there's not a lot of flashy recognition or, you know, you're not out driving vehicles that, that people recognize and say, oh, hey, there's a public works employee. But it's it's a really cool job that you get to use technology and science and um, provide this service and protect the environment. Well, thank you. Well, I'm going to close by saying I think our public works department has been the Idaho leader, Idaho innovator, um, financial wizardry to keep everything on task uh, moving forward without bonds, without debt. Um, and, and I know that you've been part of that and uh, there's predecessors before you that have helped us get to that point. But we really appreciate what you all do, how you do it. And uh, every morning when I get up, you know, it's, 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 you don't think about how it works. You're just happy that it does. And so with that, I want to say thank you to Lorelei McVeigh for giving us an overview of the Meridian Public Works Department. And thank you to the Meridian Library for the use of the Unbound Recording Studio here in downtown Meridian. Thank you to listeners for tuning in. I'll catch you next time on My Meridian.